connection because what we do matters. It connects the country, it supports economic growth, housing, people's lives. It matters. There's so many things we can do for the good of the country. Two things I've touched on today, if we get the basics right, we drive productivity, which is absolutely essential for the sector. And you listen to the politics at the moment, it's all about growth, which is productivity. So we plan all our events 18 months in advance and just to get the quality that we need. So we've got 380 speakers, 230 exhibitors. I think we've just about hit 9,000 registrations as well. So yeah, as you can imagine, it takes a whole team behind me to make, make this happen. I mean, I don't think people really realise uh, how much they interface with our roads uh, on a daily basis. Every single day, um, something that you've got in your house will have touched our roads. Hello and welcome to Connecting the Country, a series of podcasts that explores the future of England's strategic road network, making it safer and more reliable. And we'll be doing this by talking to the people who make those possibilities a reality. I'm Mark Round. And I'm Jim Wildman, and we're your hosts for this episode of Connecting the Country. We're both excited to be speaking to you today because we're recording this very special edition backstage at Highways UK, here at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. Before we get into the podcast itself though, Mark, I've got some stats and facts for you about the show to whet your appetite. So are you ready? I am indeed. I love a stat pack. So we're getting on, uh, the show has around 300 exhibitors. That's 7,000 people to attend over the two days. The show has 11 conference theatres with 372 speakers across 132 sessions. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? And I'd say you don't actually realise how big the NEC is until you're stood in one of the halls. And of course, it's great to see so many people from the supply chain here in attendance. It certainly is. And now we've set the scene, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. And I think we need a drum roll for this part, Jim, although sadly I don't think our budget quite stretches to a special effects machine. But it's time for the segment of the podcast which we're calling In Conversation With. It is indeed. And I'm pleased to say that we're joined by someone very important, especially as our boss, so we'd best be on our best behaviour. It's none other than National Highway's Chief Executive, Nick Harris. Nick, welcome along to the podcast. Brilliant, thanks. And thanks for the introduction, guys. Now, Nick, you've just come off the main stage where you were the keynote speaker. How did you find it? It was great to uh, to be there on the stage. Um, this show looks bigger than last year, and last year was, was quite something because that was the first time we were here together, live, quite daunting to see that number of people. But again, great to um, see so many old friends, uh, the opportunity to make new friends. But also, it was uh, my opportunity ahead of the panel conversation to lay out what we've been doing and our thoughts for what's coming next uh, and what matters for us. Nick, we're, we're halfway through the second roads period. What have been your highlights today and what do you think some of the big challenges are that lie ahead? Well, doesn't time fly? Here we are, middle of this road period and going back to April 2020, seems quite a long way away now, but um, it's, a, it's a great moment to reflect on how have we done and more importantly, where are we going next? So. You know, as I mentioned on the stage, a lot's happened in the last two and a half years. We, we've all dealt really successfully with the challenges that COVID gave us. We kept everything going. We kept the construction sector going. And more importantly, through the resilience of the road network that we all look after, um, we kept the country connected and stuff moving, whether that was vaccines, people, essential workers. Uh, we have a lot to feel really proud about. So, so that was um, certainly in my thoughts. And then perhaps moving more to the work, 
uh, you know, the, the environment, quite rightly, has become more and more important um, in what we, what everything we're doing, um, but particularly what we, what we do. And so we have, quite rightly, had more challenges to get our larger schemes through the planning process. And we work very hard on that. We work very hard on that with ourselves and uh, colleagues in the DFT. And on the back of that really good work, we're, we're now getting schemes consented. So we've recently seen schemes on the M25, so Junction 10 and 28, and on the M56, A47 consented. Good quality consenting letters, so we've not seen challenge on most of them. And that's great news for us and for the sector and for everyone who will benefit from those schemes. And then looking at how we've performed, well, we've delivered. We're meeting the majority of our targets. Um, despite those planning issues, we're delivering on our capital programs and maintenance programs. And then looking to the future. So now, of course, the next road period is top of my mind, top of our minds. And we're very close to, or hopefully at the point where we can publish the initial report. So this is the report that kicks off the whole consultation around RIS 3. It, it lays out our thoughts, um, our hopes, aspirations, but a lot of really good open questions about what should be in that. What's our role in support of freight or electric charging? It talks about the environment a lot and the need to demonstrate that we can do everything that we want to do but we can do it in an environmentally sustainable way. And then to support that, there are our route strategies, so uh, the 20 key routes that, um, and the strategies that lie um, behind them uh, will be published. And then is our, our strategic view of the future. So we refresh that every five years, and so we'll refresh that and publish it, or we've refreshed it and we will publish it, giving our view, our thoughts to 2050 on the future of transport. Uh, and the relevance of, uh, of national highways and what we do. And you mentioned there, Nick, uh, about the, the kind of the, the, look, the looking ahead, uh, as it were. What are we doing to lay the foundations for the government's third uh, road investment strategy for 2025 to 2030? Uh, and where are the priorities, would you say? There are a whole range of priorities, but I, I would say underpinning all of it is we've got to make the case for investment in roads. And there are a number of elements to that, but but ultimately, we've got to get across that you know, the vast sums of public money that are going to be invested in keeping our roads going and further enhancing them, that there's a good case for that. And, and I think that if you look at the relevance of roads in everyone's lives, uh, we all use roads for journeys. It connects the countries. Two-thirds of all freight journeys take place on our strategic road network. I was looking at some statistics from the north. 97% of all journeys take place on roads, ours and the local authority roads. Roads matter in our lives. So getting this right matters. We've got to demonstrate we're going to do this in an environmentally sustainable way. So our route to net zero, thinking about carbon, matters. And of course, if our plans pan out, we will achieve what we need to do in support of the government for Carbon Budget 6, which means that roads will become the greener transport option at some point in the early 2030s. Um, so getting to that point matters, as does biodiversity, air quality, water quality, nitrogen, particulates. And as one of the 10 biggest landowners in the UK, we have a, a moral uh, a, quite rightly a, a, a big obligation on us to show some leadership on how we can manage our soft estate to connect environments 
to demonstrate great practice and, as I say, show, show a lead in this. So by doing all of that, by demonstrating why investment roads in roads matters, I think we'll be successful. And I think the final thing I'd mention is we need to lose the inner engineer here. So this is about why. So why are we doing all of this? At the end of the day, it's about everyone using our network that they have ever safer and ever more reliable journeys. It's not about what we build. It's about achieving those outcomes. And I think getting that across uh, matters. Obviously, sustainability then, you know, picking up on that, it's close to your heart. I mean, just give us a flavour about why it matters to you personally, you know, and, and obviously you've explained a little bit more about why it's important for national highways, but pick up on that a little bit more, please. I, mean, I, was, I was reflecting on that a bit the other day. Why, why does it matter so much to me? And, and I think, you know, I, I look back to my childhood, really, and think about why ultimately did I become an engineer and why have I worked most of my career in, in infrastructure? And, uh, I mean, I come from a, from a farming background, so the environment uh, mattered. Um, wasn't large farming um, and so the environment did matter and it was a farm in Anglesey where living on the edge of the sea in, in a beautiful spot you, you couldn't fail to appreciate um, the environment and that ultimately led me into in, into engineering and for much of my career I spent it in the in the water sector where finding balance with nature is was continues to be a, a key part of the work and I think that's translated very well into what we're, we're doing here at National Highways. You know, we, we have the stewardship of important infrastructure and its impact on the environment matters. And that's a great responsibility that we have. So um, I feel that very keenly. Now, Nick, thank you for, for taking the time to, to join us. Finally, before we let, we go, let you go, as we know you're very busy, uh, we're asking all of our contributors today to the podcast uh, to sum up what does National Highways mean to you in three words? Wow, there's nothing like being put on the spot, is there? So um, here we are, off the top of my head, I'll go with passion, commitment and connection. And I, and I say those three words because you know, I've really been blown away in the five or six years I've been here with absolute passion for roads and what we do. The complete commitment of everyone who works, not only in National Highways, but in our supply chain to what we do, um, which is something to be enormously proud of and connection because what we do matters it connects the country it supports economic growth housing people's lives it matters that connection is important so yep those are my three words nick thank you for joining us so i'm pleased to say we're now joined by markham dare who is the executive director of commercial and procurement at national highways um, so malcolm we heard from nick earlier talking about a renewed focus on quality where do you see uh, the role of the supply chain in helping us deliver that ambition? The supply chain are vital. When you think of our turnover, you know, we're spending a region of about four, four and a half billion a year, um, and that is with the supply base. So 80 to 90% of our turnover is spent with the supply base. If we're going to impact quality, we have to do it in conjunction with the supply base because they, they are the ones that do the work on the ground. If you look at quality from an, uh, an industry perspective and the broader civil engineering infrastructure perspective, the Giri initiative, Get It Right initiative, which everyone is buying into, clearly says there's 20% rework. That means there's 20% wasted cost that we're spending ultimately, and that is due to poor quality. 
And so in the times we have today where we're challenged by inflation levels we haven't seen for 10, 20 years, we're trying to cover the cost of inflation or lean in to help the supply base with inflation. But we can only do that if we generate spare cash in order to help do that. If we're wasting 20% of our spend on poor quality, then we can't do inflation. So we have to improve quality, A, because it's the right thing to do, but B, in the short term, we're going to need to generate savings to help cover the cost of inflation in conjunction with the supply base. So it's absolutely vital. And walking around the show, uh, Malcolm, it's, it's very clear to see that sustainability is obviously a, a big part of the show. It's, it's never far from, from, from news headlines, particularly when you kind of look at kind of news streams and news channels um, lately. Obviously, sustainability is also a major priority for, for National Highways. How are supply chain partners working to help us meet our net zero and biodiversity ambitions? So there's two areas with sustainability. One is the, f- the phrase that, say, Mark Hollison's been talking about today around just getting the basics right. And getting the basics right includes the quality dimension. For instance, if we really invested in lean thinking, and lean thinking is all about quality cost delivery, we would make significant savings. And if we're making savings because we're pouring less concrete or we're laying less asphalt, we're reducing the carbon content of what we're using on the network. The other angle with sustainability is we're doing a lot of work with the supply base and with the trade bodies to outline the roadmaps to show how we can take carbon down in the major, uh, the major categories of spend, which is asphalt, concrete, steel and plant. And all of that work is done with the sector. So the phrase I've been using is it's by the sector, for the sector. And that will show how we go from, say, you know, 100, 100 units of carbon today over the next 10 years down to, say, 50 units or 30 units of carbon. So the supply base is vital because, again, that's where the work is done. And what we're trying to do is catalyse the direction which the supply base and the industry buy into, so it's not a surprise to people. And Malcolm, just, just to expand on that, I mean, obviously, how far down the road, as it were, do you think we are now in terms of our, our net zero um, ambitions? And obviously, we've got our targets, but you know, what's your sort of view on our, on our, on our progress to date? The National Highways Carbon Net Zero Plan was published a year ago. A lot of the actions that were laid out in that plan over the last year have been done. From a supply base perspective, the key deliverables now between now and the end of the year is the, the five carbon reduction plans for the five categories, asphalt, concrete, plant, steel, as well as tree planting, which links into the biodiversity piece. Those are due to be published late November. Those, are, as I said before, those have been developed by the sector, for the sector, and now it's a case of implementing those plans. The absolutely vital part of that is we're clear on what we're trying to do as, an, as the client organisation, and as I was talking on the, the Skanska stand this morning, we're giving people lots of visibility of our intent and where we're going, so that as we start to cut in the low-carbon alternates, if people choose not to get on the journey, well, that's their choice, that's absolutely fine, but they must not be surprised when we refuse to do business with people that cannot meet the clearly signposted and the clearly published lower-carbon direction that we're going in by the different categories of spend. Uh, and Malcolm, th- thank you for, for taking the, the time to talk to us here on the uh, on the podcast. Now, before we let you go, because we know you're you're uh, very busy, as are many of your your colleagues here. Um, what three words would you use to sum up National Highways and why? Land of opportunity, phrase I use a lot. There's so many things we can do for the good of the country. Two things I've touched on today: if we get the basics right, we drive productivity, which is absolutely essential for the sector. And you listen to the politics at the moment; it's all about growth, which is productivity. And the other element, the land of opportunity, is sustainability. We have a real opportunity 
to change the sector and drive change. You know, I haven't come across anyone that says they think it's nuts, but we've got a massive opportunity to make a step change in our approach to carbon in this sector. Malcolm, thank you for joining us. Now, I'm pleased to say we're joined by a very special guest here on the podcast. Uh, it is none other than Director of Network Resilience, Mark Corbyn, from Transport for West Midlands. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Mark. It's great to be able to speak to you. Uh, so just talk to us a little bit about what's, what you're exhibiting at the show and what people can see if they visit the, uh, the stands here at Highways UK. Well, we're at J8 and J10 here at Highways UK. We have a Transport for West Midlands presence and it's all about what we're doing in that local road environment space. We've got people talking about our regional transport coordination centre. We've got some displays showing how we minimise disruptions every day in the West Midlands. We're talking about our Transport Skills Academy. We've got some bikes that people can see what we're doing across our bike hire in the West Midlands. And looking at data and how data is influencing the things that we do in the West Midlands through our regional transport coordination centre. But just tell us a little bit more about um, the kind of work Transport for West Midlands do with partners such as National Highways uh, and, and others in obviously keeping the, the network moving. Well, partnership is, is really crucial for what we do in the local road environment. In the West Midlands, you know, we've, we are surrounded by the National Strategic Road Network, the M6, the M5, M40 and M42. And the partnership work that we do with National Highways, I think is quite significant. We, we have, I think we are one of the only places in the country where we have a local presence within the regional operations centre in Quinton. So we have what I think is quite a mature relationship where we share a lot of information, we share a lot of data. We have, I think, in some ways managed to overcome that challenge of what's going on on local roads. So we are quite open with the way that we've shared with national highways and they're quite open in the way that they've opened their network to us as well. So I feel we have a, a strong, mature partnership. And you mentioned there, didn't you, some of the key routes which many of our listeners will be familiar with, the M5, the M6, the M42. The M Obviously, it's been a, a very important year for, for Birmingham as a city, the, the, the Commonwealth Games, the, the 50th anniversary of, of Spaghetti Junction opening to traffic, which, were, which was great for, for national highways. What have been some of your highlights from this year and, and, and what will you look back on with, with fondness? I think this year, naturally, you know, we, we have to talk about the Commonwealth Games. I've just been talking about that on our stand and the role that the Regional Transport Coordination Centre played in that successful delivery. I feel for us that was a real important moment, not just for us at Transport for West Midlands, but across the whole of the region of the West Midlands where we saw how our partners came together to, to get behind something, a major event that was being delivered for us and, and that had the ability to really galvanise our region and help people to feel really positive and strong about where we live and, and of course transport was a key factor in, in delivering that games and we feel quite proud in, in the role that not just us at Transport for West Midlands and our local authorities played but also partners like National Highways, Network Rail and other partners around who were critical to the success of the delivery of the games. It was a key highlight. And you mentioned there, Mark, um, about, about close collaboration with Network Rail. You've obviously spoken about the, the work with, with, with National Highways and the close collaboration there in terms of the control room access. Perhaps to some people that there may be a perception sometimes that the left hand doesn't speak to the right hand when it comes to roadworks, but that, that's not the case, and it seems that the kind of planning really is central to, to keeping the Midlands network moving. It's not the case. You know, people often must acknowledge that the road environment is a very dynamic place no one day is going to be the same you know that's either due to incidents happening or 
planned maintenance or interventions from utility companies. It's always going to be pretty dynamic. There's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes that people never see. And we are often doing that work to, to potentially make sure that we're mitigating properly and that we're not going to introduce pain or cause people's journeys to be quite disruptive. So yes, there's a lot of activity happening across the network, but there's also a lot of people working behind the scenes to collaborate ensuring that we're working together and trying to make sure that we're making those journeys a lot smoother for people, whether they're on the local or the strategic road network. Mark, obviously just anything else you'd reflect on really, is this the, the, you know, the model in the, in, in the Midlands or the West Midlands, is that something that you perhaps you know, could be reflected elsewhere in the way that we work together? I think it is actually. I think it's a really important step that we've taken in the West Midlands to kind of bring the barriers down. Unless we are genuinely collaborating as partners ourselves and, and, and National Highways in the case of roads, we aren't really going to be able to help people to make smoother journeys. We, we have to, and I, I'm quite pleased with the, the approach that we've taken in the West Midlands where we've been very open with National Highways. They've been very open with us. They are often in our Regional Transport Coordination Centre. We are often in Quinton. So I think that is a model that absolutely has to be looked at and focused on because unless those big partners are together sharing information for the benefit of the public, we're not going to really see the, 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 the true, tangible improvements that are required across transport. Mark, thank you for joining us. We've both been walking around the show. You can't fail to be impressed by the size of the event and the volume of people exhibiting. I'm pleased to say that we're now joined by Claudia Davidson, who is one of the brains behind organising the show and helped to make it a reality. Claudia, thanks for joining us. Um, interested just to find out really how things are going. Obviously, this is a colossal event. What, what does it take to, to bring everything together? takes many months of hard work um, so I work on this event solely all year round so the planning for this year's event actually started in July last year would you believe it so we plan all our events 18 months in advance um, and just to get the quality that we need so we've got 380 speakers 230 exhibitors I think we've just about hit 9,000 registrations as well so yeah as you can imagine it takes a whole team behind me to make make this happen so successful then in that respect and obviously it's nice to have everyone back together isn't it really after Covid and so forth what, what's it what's it like now uh, organizing such an event like this you know after the after the time we've had yeah it's just lovely to see people back together I think you don't get that on these virtual events I think you bump into people people are bumping into old colleagues having those connections um, and also the speakers as well you get a lot more interaction from the audience and yeah it's very busy so you get your steps in definitely um, but I think yeah we all know that in person is, is definitely back and, and better than ever really and it's such a vast venue, isn't it, the NEC? When you're here, you get a, a real feel for the, for the size and scale of, of the venue. Why do you think that the, the, the show continues to be so popular with people in the, the highways industry and, and the supply chain? Well, I think obviously the support of National Highways is fantastic, but I think we're also going into new areas, so delving further into the supply chain. Um, we're also getting a lot of traction from the local authorities as well. Um, I think what's really important this year is that collaborative piece. So, you know, going throughout the supply chain, whether you're public or private sector, whether you're working on the SRN or the local roads, I think that this show, it really has something for everyone and we are growing with the industry. So I think that's really reflective of why we keep growing every year. And, and, and are there any real highlights for you this year, uh, Claudia? 
as many. No, I think um, obviously Nick's keynote this morning was fantastic. Um, we've got some really strong keynote speakers um, around reframing road investment. Tomorrow there's a fantastic panel with Stephen Elderkin um, around kind of the sustainability and the race to decarbonise roads. Um, and there's other, another panel tomorrow around inclusive mobility in the ITS theatre, which I think is going to be really powerful. That's with Mel Clark, um, just looking around the user I think at these events often sometimes the user gets a little bit lost and I think we're really bringing that this year to make sure that the user voice is, is heard. And walking around the, sh the show early you couldn't fail to, to see the kind of the sustainability theme it, it seems really prominent this year and obviously you've, you've referred to it just do you think there's been a bit of a, a sea change in terms of the environment obviously given recent you know headlines and media stories over the, the, the past couple of years it, it seems to have taken on even more importance than, than say perhaps it, it did a few years ago. So we have our sustainability theatre, which Scans will sponsor, and it's a great um, part of the show, built of old pallets. It's a real kind of centrepiece. Um, but the sustainability content is coming up in all of the theatres. And even with the stands as well, we have joined an initiative called ILA, um, which is around sustainability within the events industry. So we help our contractors and our suppliers build sustainable, sustainable stands, offset their emissions. Obviously, for this year, we're actually tracking how everyone gets to the event, so that as an organisation, we can then offset the emissions afterwards. So, um, yeah, it's not just obviously in the content it's throughout the whole show so you're always learning lessons aren't you i guess for the next year and and, and constantly adapting is, is that right yeah we do we really do and i think we grow every year and we and we learn and we, and we adapt i think last year was obviously the first year we were back from covid so um it was put together um we only had a couple of months really but this year it's been nice to have that prior planning and be able to think everything through um but yeah the planning is already well underway for for next year so um yeah really excited okay claudia thanks for joining us on the podcast now, I'm pleased to say we're joined by Nicola Bell, who is the Executive Director of Major Projects at National Highways. Nicola, welcome along to the podcast. Hi, folks. Nice to see you. We were hearing from Nick earlier about the, the continued importance of England's major A road and, and motorway network in supporting economic growth. What are your thoughts on that and why do you think it's so important for the, for the nation's economy? I mean, I don't think people really realise uh, how much they interface with our roads uh, on a daily basis. Every single day, um, something that you've got in your house will have touched our roads, whether it's something you've ordered online or whether you are heading to, to work or whether you're going off to see your loved ones. Um, you know, I use it to go and see my family in Scotland, but uh, one of the reasons I got involved in roads is actually because my family have got a little business in uh, Scotland and every single day they rely on two things. One, the courier van that comes at one o'clock and, and uh, the other part of the day at four o'clock when the Royal Mail van comes. And if they didn't have roads, then they wouldn't be able to get their goods to their customers. Yeah, And so I've kind of grown up with knowing that roads are really, really important when ultimately all of your business is done in another part of the country. So I think that that, that will continue and we just play a real key part in making sure that people can travel about safely, they can trust us um, and they can do their business basically. So Nicola, in terms of your role, obviously there's a lot of planning of course in, in, in delivering roads. How do you see our role or the role of National Highways in working with government to streamline that process in delivering major pieces, major, major pieces of work? I think it's vital that we continue actually the work that we've done with colleagues at say the Department for Transport to really make the process as easy as it can be. Look, I think communities are at the heart of everything we do. They really are. They've got to have a, a voice. And we've learned loads about, you know, real deep 
um, complex planning processes normally through the development consent orders recently. But I think that the experience that we've got will then feed in to making things easier, better for communities. So I think it's really about continuing that work, giving our experience, seeing where we've had um, good points, bad points, but moreover, just let's let's make sure that it is it's taking the right time so that actually the benefits that we can bring are brought a little bit quicker. And also in terms of Highways UK, obviously with the show following the pandemic, it's it's great to see people back in person and meet people from the supply chain face to face once again. It, there is such a buzz out there today. I think somebody was telling me it's the uh, biggest that it's ever ever been. But it does really feel like a, it's a big family coming coming together again. You see people who you haven't seen for years. But also it's just about that sharing knowledge, um, in particular for some of the things that you've talked about today. We've got colleagues here from the Department for Transport. We've got colleagues here from local authorities all of your stakeholders, the subnational transport bodies. So I've been out speaking to um, all of them uh, today, which has is, which is really been great to see them face to face. Great. And Nicola, we've been asking colleagues today, come up with three words really that sum up their view of national highways or their vision for national highways. Can I ask you to do the same, please? Of course. I mean, you could say safety, customer delivery. I think that's embedded in us all. But uh, the three that I would go for is passion. Uh, is my first one. Um, everybody at National Highways is pretty passionate about what they do. Never worked anywhere where people are not so passionate. Second word would actually be the people. Part of the reason that you stay in a job is because of the people that you work with and uh, I can honestly say I haven't worked with uh, a better bunch uh, of people. And the third word I would choose is future because no matter what uh, the road network is going to be some part of whatever uh, the future world looks like. So people, passion and future. Nicola, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us on the podcast. Now, if you've been walking around the stands at Highways UK, you may have seen some people wearing very funky coloured jackets, bright pink and orange and greens. Now, there's a reason why those people are wearing those rather different-looking high-visibility jackets. It's part of a special campaign called Make It Visible, which is being run by Lighthouse, the construction industry charity. And they're here at Highways UK to talk about the importance of of emotional, physical and financial well-being for those working in the supply chain. And here is Jim Waldman speaking to Bill, who's telling us about what the charity aims to do. Bill Hill from the Lighthouse Construction Industry Charity. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bill, just can you please just um, elaborate a little bit on, on what the charity does? Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about us. Um, you know, we are a charity that's 100% dedicated to looking after the welfare and well-being of construction workforce and their families in the UK and Ireland. Um, that's what we do, that's what we wake up every day and we've got a whole portfolio of services uh, we've got for everybody uh, to, to access if they're in need. Bill, just tell us a little bit about the work you do with the construction industry and a little bit more about the, the offer from the charity. One, we're really delighted to be here at Highways UK. It's a great opportunity for everybody here to know a little bit about what we do. We offer a fantastic range of services. We offer a 24-7 helpline uh, to help people either uh, emotionally, physically or financially if they're in trouble. Uh, we offer a text hard hat service so people can get immediate access to somebody uh, on text to talk about counselling if, they're, again, they're in trouble. Uh, we've got a fantastic app. You can download a wellness app. 
packed full of information about uh, tips and help about how to overcome stress, anxiety, depression, anger, um, how to manage alcohol. All those tips are in that uh, uh, app. It's called the Construction Industry Helpline app. It's downloadable. It's free. Uh, we also got a whole series of masterclasses, um, again, to help people who want to be more proactive about learning about stress management, work-life balance, that sort of type of thing. We've even got mindfulness, which, again, is really great for just uh, getting your head to calm down. But the thing we're really proud of as well, we've got a nationwide network of around about 300 uh, lighthouse beacons. These are drop-in centres that are available to anybody who's working away from home to drop in, they can socialise and, and learn a little bit about um, things that are going on or even get signposts to, to get any help. I mean, our mission is that no construction worker or their family should be alone in a crisis and that's what we're here to do. Obviously, well-being is you know something as we talk about more now. How, how much awareness is out there, do you think, in, in the industry? It's coming along very well. I mean, a lot of companies now are engaging in some sort of well-being program now. And our job as a charity is to bring it all together. Every company, big companies now subcontract so much as well. The supply chain is quite long, so the subcontract, subcontract, subcontract. So some of the tier ones have got fantastic well-being programs, but it doesn't always flow down through the supply chain to the boots on the ground. And our programme is all about helping the boots on the ground, helping the smaller companies that are working for the bigger companies who've got nothing, they've got nowhere to fall back on. So we're working with the larger companies to get that message through the supply chain and get it out to the people who really need it most. And is that message getting out there, do you think? Do you think, uh, you know, what can people do to sort of spread the message or find out more, do you think? Just do what you're doing now, um, which is you know, put it on a podcast, get it out to the people who listen to the podcast, get in touch with us. We've got lots of materials here that you can use to get the information through your supply chain. Just simply get in touch with lighthouseclub.org and we'll give you lots of materials to get that message out there. And you might even think about helping us with a bit of fundraising at some point as well so we can pay for it. Bill, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. So that's it for another year here at Highways UK. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and share it. And until next time, from all of us here at the NEC, goodbye.